This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. Today's guest is Sean Monahan. Sean recently started writing articles for 343, so I wanted to give him a proper introduction and find out a little bit more about why he has zeroed in on certain topics that he will be covering. Links to his articles and links to his social media accounts are all available in the write-up of this podcast on 343coaching.com. And that is also where you can learn more about the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. It is a powerful and proven education program that can take you and your team to the next level. David Copeland Smith, the founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. And he said, and I quote, honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches, end quote. The 343 Premium Coaching Membership gives you 24-7 access to video lessons, ebooks, and audio recordings that help you learn the 343 philosophy and methodology. You can learn more about the benefits of the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program and start learning today by visiting 343coaching.com. And if you're looking to pair that high-quality education with some high-quality and custom training gear, be sure to check out our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. They have a new package deal that includes custom training balls and custom numbered training vests that will help you get through tryouts and get your upcoming season started off the right way. You can order 24 custom training balls and 24 custom numbered reversible training vests for just $6.99. And if you want more, they can give you more. You can get 48 balls and 48 vests for just $11.99. And to make it even better, 343 listeners get an additional 10% discount on all orders. These package deals are great for high schools, colleges, clubs, and camps. The balls that Bounce Athletics provide in these package deals have all of the modern technology that Nike and Adidas and Select do, but Bounce Athletics balls will only cost you a fraction of the price. And to top things off even more, another bonus, they'll even send you free mock-ups of the designs on the custom balls and the vests with your logo on them, so that way you can see exactly what they will look like when they arrive on your doorstep. So go check them out, and when you're ready, you can email info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process, but be sure to mention 343 to receive your additional 10% discount. So once again, that is info at bounceathletics.com, and be sure to mention 343. All right, let's get into today's episode. I hope that you enjoy this podcast with Sean Monahan. All right, uh, so here's uh, here's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to get a just get you introduced to everybody because you've kind of just quietly started uh, started writing some stuff for three four three and it's super interesting topics and and I think people would be would be very very curious to learn about the man behind some of the the stuff that's going to be coming out and and just kind of previewing what uh, what you might be working on for for the next I don't know a few months or however how long it's uh, it's going to take you to do some of this stuff so that's yeah, kind of the yeah, idea. For sure. Cool. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start with an introduction then. So tell me, uh, or tell the tell the listeners who you are and, and where you're at, what you're doing, and then I'll I'll kind of dig in with some questions after that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first, my name is Sean Monahan, and um, I grew up in Los Angeles, and, you know, through my coaching journeys, it's taken me to, to Oregon, around the Portland area, and now I'm here in Florida coaching. Um, last year, I was working with the Development Academy in, in Florida, and probably like a year or two ago, um, I just decided I wanted to kind of expand not uh, not just becoming you know a soccer coach, but kind of expanding it in other areas. I started reading a lot more, a lot of books about entrepreneurship and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I mean, Gary's always really liked some of my tweets and been fascinated. And it's just about kind of you know, could I possibly expand from you know the Twitter limit and take it into a full article, or make maybe graphs to show and demonstrate the uh, the tweet that kind of articulated a little bit more. Um, so yeah, so I, I just kind of reading a lot about entrepreneurship and just other areas that I can kind of have soccer in my life, you know, the more soccer, the better for me. Um, so yeah, just kind of expanding on that. It, it's kind of taking me into writing and it's been something I've always been curious about. Um, just some of the, some of the topics and stuff. So yeah. What are, what are some of the topics that you enjoy covering and, and I've noticed as well over the, over the, over many years, actually, you've, um, you've kind of honed in on like certain topics and you've gone on for lack of better terms, like tweet storms or, or threads yes. and, and you, yeah. pro- and you provided like, you know, pretty significant amount of, of information in, in, but in tweet form. So it's kind of, it's like not an article, but it, it's more informal. So what, but what are some of the topics that you like to cover and what are, what are some of the things that, that, um, make you do those types of things? Yeah. I mean, I think what's always kind of fascinated me is like, like, for example, you might have an area in, like, the suburbs of France, or you might have an area, even, like, Uruguay. The Uruguay is a very small country. And it's just, like, why Why are these areas, for example, that have very small populations developing, you know, elite footballers at, like, an alarming rate? Um, and so just kind of I, – I love, I, love, I love to travel, and I love learning about different cultures. And then you mix that with, you know, the love of soccer, and it kind of makes you – it makes you wonder, you know, for example, why can Uruguay, you know – challenge for world cups with three and a half million people but then you have other countries that aren't even making the world cup with you know um, you know a billion people like china and india um so yeah i just I, I enjoy studying things like that but then also you know from more of a developmental standpoint i also like looking at you know when are players making first team debuts where are they coming from um stuff like that like i kind of mentioned that in the ix article is looking at how Ajax developed these players almost for free, you know, with the exception of one or two. And they developed these players for free, but also how that happened. So whether that's the scouting or whether that was recruitment, uh, whether that was making sure that they had meaningful first team minutes at, you know, say 18 or 19 years old rather than instead of like 22 or 23. Um, so yeah, just kind of going a little bit deeper in that and just kind of, you know, I think that's important just because it's something that fascinates people fans of the game but it's also something that players can look to and say okay i might think i'm a good player but this is what this guy was doing at this age and it's also i think it could be good for parents too uh just to kind of see what the the global standards at if you will tell me tell me more about that ix article and and what what you kind of dug into with that and what were some of the findings yeah, um, so with Ajax's success getting to the semifinals of the Champions League, you know, it was kind of a story that, you know, almost everybody loved because the way they played and how much they kind of invested in their academy and how much their academy players had a run in, uh, ha- had a say in, in them getting to the semifinals. 
So a lot of what it looked at was, you know, where, when did these players start at Ajax? So a lot of them started at a very young age, and then others kind of came, you know, closer, maybe 16 to 18 years old. Um, so it's kind of looking at when they first started at Ajax, and if there was a transfer fee, how much it was. And for the most part, I think, I think, I think we had maybe 11 or 12 players from this Ajax list that cost maybe. It was under 15 million total, and and that that was like maybe, I think two players that really were the majority of that cost. So everybody else came for free or almost free, and it was just looking at how Ajax was able to compete with you know the likes of Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, having very you know ha- having very little money. Um, yeah, th- that was pretty much what the article was about, and just kind of explaining. You know, with graphs, how how they were able to do it, and, and everything like that. Have Have you uh, come across any any data or like a, like a figure that uh, outlines how much money IX actually does have? Because it my brain automatically goes to the fact that you know they're uh, Champions League semifinalists now. They've they're perennial uh, uh, Champions League qualifiers. And, yeah. and and so with that comes money. So it's not like the, right, and, right. And and they're constantly selling players. So the club has money. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if that data came up at all. Uh, it did. It didn't come up. But I I think what I would say is that the money that Ajax had to make this run to the semifinals is going to be I I would I would guess it would be a lot less than the money that they're going to have, for example, this year, um, because Frankie De Jong um, is going to Barcelona and they. They sold him for quite a bit of money. And then it looks like Delete, uh, the center back, is going to be going either to Real Madrid or Barcelona or, or Bayern Munich, have been rumored, even Man City. Um, so, I mean, with those players combined, I think they're going to be making probably close to 120 to $150 million. Um, so, obviously, the money that they have there, um, it's going to be significantly more than the money that they had uh, before they sold those players, just because those are kind of two outliers of two players that look like they're going to be at a, you know, they already are playing at a very high level, but you know, these, these can be kind of two generational talents for Dutch football, I think. So. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, one of the other things that you, that you recently wrote about or started writing about, I don't know if you're, if you've completed everything yet, but is, uh, is another kind of analysis of young players. And and you started to look at, uh, players in this U twenty World Cup, I believe, and, and yes, yes. Tell tell me tell me more about that, and and kind of preview maybe what's on the horizon with the end of that project. So I'm not sure I, I know exactly where, where you're going with it. Yeah, um, so pretty much what it was looking at, and I think we have one more article to publish, which would be the forwards of that twenty uh, one men roster. And so I knew that the U twenty World Cup was going to be very talked about, and especially this U twenty group that we have in the U S. Um, you know, a lot of people have said this could be the most talented team that we've had, or at least the most depth that we've had at this age group. Um, so I, again, I just wanted to kind of see, you know, more more of an insight look on again where these players were developed, what clubs developed them, um, when were they developed, if they went to Europe, what age did they go, and obviously that might be easier if you have uh, EU citizenship or if you can get a passport. But again, it was more looking at an in-depth look at these guys because we knew that this would be, you know, a, a talented group by, by our youth standards. And I knew that, um, I knew that there was going to be a lot of hype for these guys. And I think that, I think they just had a thing saying that 
the U.S. Nigeria game was watched by I, I think it was FS1, and they had more viewers than almost any MLS game has all season. So we knew that this was I, I knew that this was going to be a very popular team that a lot of people were going to look at, um, not just for now, but you know, six years down the line. You know, it would be great to see Alex Mendez at you know 18 years old, and then you know six years later you're watching him you know in the Champions League team or whatever it is. Uh, so I think I think it was just kind of a good a good way to you know if some of these guys who have promising careers in the future and become you know very big talents in Europe, um, just kind of giving more information on where it all kind of started for them. Yeah, there, that, and that's what I was waiting for you to say. <laughs> it was like kind of <laughs> where where it all started for these guys, and and what you just said about Alex is something that I've I've touched on in the past, where I think it's pretty remarkable that if you know if somebody wanted to. They want to invest the the time and the money. They they could see exactly where Alex has come from from the time he was ten, mm-hmm. 10 years old until you know it, it, up into uh up up to and including this point in his career. And then it's going to be now it's going to be you know very public from from here on out with the, his performances with, with his clubs and and the right. It, no, that's a good point. And I think that the thing the the only piece of data that I would actually think would be a really interesting point to include is not only like the development of these players you know on the field but even like where they came from right because growing up in south central la is different than growing up in like you know an upper middle class suburb right you you kind of look at life differently and the challenges that you have off the field might be different um you know and i would say that part of that can develop you just as much as a player as as the on the field things can um you know so so yeah so i think it's all kind of fascinating and and you know like i said i think we're hoping that this group, you know, there'll be at least a couple players that we see, you know, six or eight years down the line playing in the World Cup uh, for the U.S. So, yeah, it's it's crazy too. For for me, uh, what what comes to mind is like the the hype around too many players. I think uh, uh, right in the group, and then it, you think about it, like in 2026, when some mm-hmm. of these guys are going to be at the peak of their career. Well. You know, so are some 2001s and 2002s and 2003s, and that's not to, right. that. That doesn't mean we should exclude some of the 99s and 98s and 97s when when the the 2026 World Cup rolls around. So it's not it's not like every player on this roster is meant or should be expected to progress to being a starter at the 2022 or 2026 World Cup. And I yeah, think, exactly. I, I, I feel like that kind of gets lost. I feel like we kind of think like everybody on this team is going to be the next superstar, and it's like no, probably not. No, and I, I think that I think that a good point that you made there is like if you look at the U seventeen World Cup in India a couple of years ago, you know, people were saying that Andrew Carlton was gonna be the next US phenom, right? And Andrew Carlton was nowhere near this this roster. Uh, and that was only what, like two or three years of change. And if you look at that roster, there was other players that were locks, you know, locks in the starting lineup that again were nowhere near the U twenty World Cup lineup, you know, two or three years later. So it just shows much can change in just a small amount of time so you know players the the development path of players is going to change depending on you know the choices they make in terms of the clubs that they choose and and everything like that and the playing time they get so so yeah it's it's very it's very easy to look to the future and kind of expect that that's how it's going to be but it never pans out that way yeah it, I, I, the analogy i've been using is like the the hype train uh, mm-hmm. like once it once it kind of leaves the station uh, yeah. it, it, it picks up other people along the way and then you kind of don't realize like how many players like fall off of the hype train because there's always like an, another person getting on it and, yeah and, no and, and that's the thing and I, I think that and I was kind of having a good discussion about this like 
would it have been this way, say, maybe 15 years ago, like with like Landon Donovan, like when or maybe it was a little bit longer, but like 15 years ago, if Landon Donovan was in Germany, you know, or is every I mean, we didn't have Twitter and we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have all these things, you know, so maybe there's not as much hype on players that are going to be, you know, every, everybody wants to kind of claim they know the next player that's going to be the next kind of generational talent, you know, and I, I think that's just social media, unfortunately. Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. It's a part-time DOC. I had a budget and, you know, we needed training gear every year and it just was getting more and more difficult to find decent, high quality, affordable training balls. That's Zach. He's the co-founder of Bounce Athletics. And as a coach, he was having a hard time finding quality soccer balls at an affordable price. So he started searching for ways to solve that problem for himself and for others. We've been able to experiment with a lot of different textured materials and construction methods. And, and I think we've really got it dialed in to, to where now, you know, with, with our training balls, we're providing super high level training balls that have all the modern technology in them for a fraction of the price of global brands. Zach and Bounce Athletics are offering 343 members and listeners 10% off orders of those custom premium soccer balls that he was just talking about. Email info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process and be sure to mention 343 to receive your 10% discount. All right, let's get back to the show. One thing that you that you mentioned earlier about like the players, where, like where they actually come from, and how that can be um, absolutely an interesting part of their story, but also like an important part of their story. And what came to mind was a, a time when I was actually talking with uh, Charlie Anguiano's dad, and, mm-hmm. and and Charlie's a player that you know I've been fortunate enough to watch and study over the course of my time being a, yeah. a follower of three four three. He's an excellent holding midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason has not been included in, 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 you know, the, the MLS or national team, uh, picture at one point, I think he was in and out of it. But, um, I, I remember talking to his dad at one point and, and his dad was telling me that part of, you know, part of Charlie's daily routine is that he has to take the bus from Compton to mm-hmm. what was then StubHub, now Dignity Health Center or Dignity Health yeah. Park. And, and that is not an easy, easy task for a 15, 16 year old kid to, to navigate on their own. And, and, you know, from, from Compton, number one, and then right. you know, through, through all of LA to, to get there and back, you know, on his own on a daily basis. And, and that was part of his daily routine. That's much different than driving in a suburban with air conditioning and TVs on the headrests and, and things yeah, like that. No. Which, so it, it is an interesting part of, of stories. And, uh, that, that it, it, I'm not trying to, you know, use it to justify anything or, or make a point. It's just, you know, that, that is part of, uh, the reality for, for some of these. Yeah. Guys. And I think it's really interesting because there's actually, there's actually, I've seen a couple of really interesting articles about players in London. Like maybe they train at uh, Chelsea's Academy or Arsenal's Academy and you'll have, you know, 10 or 11 year old kids riding the Metro, you know, taking the train to training or going in a taxi to training just because, you know, parents aren't there, they're working, they have to provide for their families. So because of that, the kids have to, you know, it, it's a crazy world. Like you can, you would never see that in a lot of the United States, you would never see parents that would trust their kids to do that. Um, but obviously that develops, I mean, there obviously could be a downside of that, but there, it, it can also develop a lot of character and the kid has to become you know, a little bit more independent, a little bit like they have to kind of know the ropes, you know, like they can't, they're not just going to have a parent just do everything for them, you know? 
Um, yeah, so so I think that, like I said, like I think that that definitely uh, can build character. Like I, I was reading an article about Chris Richards from the the center back from the U twenty team, and how he, you know, he grew up in Alabama. You know, it, you know, soccer in Alabama, the the level is not what it is in California or in, in Dallas or in New York or any of these places. So he had to, I think he had to like drive i don't know like nine or ten hours and have a tryout with a, a an academy team that wasn't mls made it to that team they won a national title and then the year after is when dallas picked him up and then like a year later Bayern munich signed him for over a million dollars so like it all kind of like he had to lay out so many sacrifices to make that happen and like it, it barely got noticed at all you know and now he's probably one of the most impressive players in the World Cup so far for these twenties. You know what? So. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking about, Sean, is actually how how important it is to tell that part of the story because when you talk about a player like Chris, it, at some I, I, I don't know where or why it happens, but sometimes it's it, it, the places where they've played or developed stop when you get to when they entered the DA. So mm-hmm. like like a lot of times Chris's trajectory stops when he entered with Houston Texans, and so it's right. like you see Houston Texans, FC Dallas, and then Bayern Munich, and it doesn't show where he was at before that or give credit to the people that, that right. helped him develop that uh, before that point. And I think that that's really important, and it really really actually ticked me off last year. It was actually around this time when I was down in Oceanside in San Di- or yeah San Diego um, for the DA playoffs, and they had all these pictures of of the players that, that played for d- different development academy teams and posted up all over the, the wall and their names all over the wall. It's like, well, you're giving zero credit to the other, to the other clubs that, you know, actually yeah. developed these players. And I think who, who was it was on name was on there. Maybe Jossie. Um, yeah. and who else? I can't remember who else, but I just remember thinking that, and it's kind of like a slap in the face to all the like other clubs that are just outside the DA network and, and and I think it's important to give to give them credit. And of, of course, like you know, this is something that would be addressed with solidarity payments and training compensation and all these other things, right? But um, but at the very least, we should we should at least be recognizing the that the other clubs exist in this country than the DAs. And, and it makes you wonder, John. And this is this is the thing that fascinates me is if you can get a kid that you know got recruited from an Alabama ODP team. That's where he got recruited to try out with the Texans. So if a kid from an Alabama ODP team got recruited and, you know, two or three years later is signing a multi-million for is signing for over a million dollars with uh, Bayern Munich, it, it kind of makes you wonder if a center back from Alabama that was playing ODP a couple years ago can do that. You know, what are we missing in our country, too? Right. Because, you know, credit to the, the Texans and, the, and the, the coach of the Houston Texans for, for going out his way to scout Chris. But, you know how many times could something like that, you know, be falling through the cracks, whether, and that could be really any case, whether it's a kid from Alabama that was playing ODP or like a kid in Alex's case where, you know, a kid from South Central just doesn't get the chance. And, you know, I've seen that growing up in LA and, you know, we just need to make sure that we can create, um, we can create, you know, a pathway to the professional game for, for all players in our country, you know? So. No, absolutely, man. And it's, it's something I touched on when I, interviewed Kyle Martino and he didn't say it explicitly but I think he was implying when he said that there were very 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 good players that he did not know about in his area because they were only playing things like futsal and pickup and and men's league and things like that I can't remember the exact way that he phrased it but I, I 
he didn't say it explicitly, but he made it sound like the players were better than he was. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's what he meant. I don't, uh, um, but when you think about that, like, okay, so what, what enabled Kyle Martino to make it to, to where he did, um, and, and what didn't, um, what, what, what didn't, uh, help or so I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know, what, what stopped the other players that were also very, very, very good players. What stopped them from being recognized and given scholarships to Virginia right. or, or, uh, a, a development Academy type program or something like that. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that stuff really interests me, man. It's like the, 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 who makes it and who doesn't has so, 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 so many factors that we don't, that we don't think about, um, you know, who sees you and who doesn't and and you know who who pushes you and who doesn't who's in your corner and who's not who's who's in the other people's corner like who like like when you think about like the national team rosters and things like that when the u17 roster specifically is what comes to my mind like of course you know all the kids from from bradenton it was their last it was their last hoorah whatever together with the coaches and so yeah of course all those players are going to make the roster over players that that weren't part of that 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 group so it's like when you have the right people in your corner the decision makers in your corner then something like that can happen where other people get left off i think the i think the other not not to kind of go off topic here but i think the other interesting point is like for example i think a lot of people want to look at the u20 world cup team and they want to just base it off of you know whether it's professional experiences or national team appearances and just kind of base it off that. And, and the, the reality is, is every club situation, every player situation is different because of their club situation. Yep. And so, like, uh, for example, and again, like, I'm not, this isn't throwing shade at any player or anything like that. But it, so it, most people would say that Tim Weah might be the most talented player on the team just because he's, he has eight national team caps. He's played for Celtic, all these things. But Tim Weah's path has helped enable that, whether that was PSG trusting him to give him a couple first team games and then being able to get him on loan. Right. Like, so that, that helps create that path where he was able to get national team games and go on loan abroad. Uh, it kind of helps create it. Right. And so I think that that doesn't necessarily always mean that that player is the most talented player. It's just that so far their developmental path has helped them the most. Um, so that doesn't mean that Tim Weah might, Tim, Tim Weah might not be the most talented winger in four or five years. Because what if Conrad's path helps him? Or what if Uli's path helps him? You know, we truly don't know. Um, so that's why it's always about, like, kind of keeping an eye on what you see on the field in terms of talent. But then you also have to have all the, those other things kind of connect, too, as well. No, 100%, man. And, and you left off the biggest, you know, the biggest uh, <laughs> favor that's been done for, for Tim's career. And, and this is not discrediting any work that Tim has done or anything like that, but he does have a big advantage over everybody because of his last name and what his dad has, has done in the past. And, and just, just those connections and, and what that can do to open the right door at PSG or wherever, right. Is, is very important. Like it's a very important factor in, in the trajectory of a player. So, and it's, it's not something that everybody has the luxury of. It's not the reason that, you know, that he will or will not make it. Um, but it, it, it certainly helps. It certainly helps. So for uh, sure, for sure, for sure. And, and it, it is, it is interesting because like in the future, like it, it's, I look at this World Cup, and like you said, I think a lot of people have, you know, a bad idea that this is going to be the, what the what the national team is going to look like in six years, and I don't think that's the reality. Now, it, to me, it's more about just looking for what does what does a player have that makes them special, and how can that be translated down the line, right? 
And so that's kind of more the, the trajectory that I'm looking at this tournament by, especially in terms of individual devel- development. Uh, what what other topics do you plan on do you plan on covering or what or what do you what do you see yourself kind of digging into in the in the near and, and distant future yeah i mean i think that it, it's kind of a mix john i think part of it is i have some ideas that you know i, I want to get out to the world you know whether that's writing articles or anything anything else so part of it is just kind of these ideas that i have in my head but then the other part of it is also like what it, what is relevant right now right so you know it, it made sense to make an article about it, it made sense to make articles about the u20 world cup because i knew it was going to be coming up or for example the ix story the ix story was on topic with ix getting to the semifinals. um so part of that is kind of just seeing what happens in the football you know the football world and and from there some of those ideas are 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 what i kind of can once, once those ideas are popular, that's when I can create them because they're on topic and a lot of people want to hear about them. Um, and then there's other ideas, though, that, you know, pe- will always be interesting. And because of that, you know, you, you can write about it, wh- whether it's in you know a month or in six months or a year or whatever. So, No, 100 percent, man. Um, where, where can people, where can people connect with you and, and see number one, your tweet storms? Cause I think some of those are, are brilliant. And then, uh, where, where can people find some of the stuff that you're writing about? Yeah. Um, so my articles are all on, all, all on the three, four, three website. And so I don't know if you click under articles and that's where you find them on the website. Um, but so, so all my articles that I write for three, four, three will be on the three, four, three website. Um, I also have my own YouTube channel, which is called the American soccer coach. Um, and it's kind of, it's not necessarily things I write articles about, but it's more just expanding on, you know, certain things I find fascinating. Uh, like for example, I was looking at, you know, the players to look out for in the U20 world cup and, you know, who I think is going to win the tournament, uh, which I, I said France. So let's see what happens. Um, so I have my, my, my YouTube channel. And then I, I have my Twitter account, which is uh, Sean Monahan, S E A S E A N, and then Monahan, M O N A G H A N, and then S M at the at the end of it. And so that is where my Twitter account's at. And sometimes, if I do have you know a popular a popular tweet or a popular uh, thread of tweets, a lot of time that is kind of you know eventually that becomes the influence for creating an article about it because it did really well on twitter so like the ix example the the fact that ix's academy produced so many players and they got to the semifinals you know barely spending any money um i probably created like four or five tweets in in kind of a tweet storm about that and they did really well and because of that i ended up creating the article about the development path of the ix players so Oh, that's cool. I think it's I think it's pretty I think it's pretty fun insight for people to I or understand the genesis of of an idea or ge- the genesis of a of a post because yeah, I'm just I'm just into the behind the scenes stuff. I, I I like that type of stuff and I think other people are too. So I appreciate you giving a little bit of insight to that. Yeah, no problem. Cool. Um, any any last words for for people that are listening? Any last words? Um, <laughs> like, I like, would <laughs> say. I, I would just say, yeah, just kind of what we talked about. Like, the, I, I would just say, uh, especially with the World Cup, it's 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 hard, but it's like you have to look toward the future. You have to look for, toward the future, and like, what player do you see something that they have something special? Because a player can be like seven out of ten in all attributes, whether that's technique or awareness or speed or 
But a ten out of, or a seven out of ten in those areas is not going to produce a Champions League player, right? You have to be nine out of ten, ten out of ten. Um, so when I look at this tournament, I'm looking at what who are the players that ha- are kind of anomalies? Like they have nine out of ten, or they have ten out of ten, and they have other you know other areas that they still need to work on, but they kind of have that little something special about them. Uh, so I mean that was kind of just a, a, a parting word. There is. You need to have that something special, obviously, in order to make it to that next level, whether that's like Champions League football, you know, if you down the line or anything like that. So, all right, good stuff, Sean. It was good catching up with you, man. Actually, uh, I was thinking about it last night uh, uh, after we were texting, and you were like one of my very first episodes that I ever recorded for the podcast before it was the three four three podcast. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> you were, you were like for, like one of my first five, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I was remembering that. Yeah, I was living in Oregon at the time. Yeah, I remember that quite well. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, so. man. It, and it's so funny because I just interviewed another another guy, John Burklow, who was like one of my first ten episodes. Uh, yeah, I, I talked with him the other day, and I'm still, I'm still. Um, pretty well connected with with christopher kramer who was my very first mm-hmm. episode uh so it's just funny how it's all kind of it all it all connects man yeah it all, a, it all comes back full circle <laughs> yeah six six years i think it's is what it's been wow. going for now or almost six i think almost six yeah so it's crazy <laughs> that's awesome yeah all right sean well uh good catching up with you man and then if if people want to connect with you i'll i'll link to all your all your stuff in the write-up of this on 343coaching.com and uh and we'll just we'll be in touch man all right man sounds good take care All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 